Hello and welcome to Sunday Fun Day with Marcella Lonzo. Today I have Danny Calvo. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. I met you in a little group chat, had you on. You're from Florida like I am. You were born in Florida, right? Or Argentina? I was born in Miami and Uh I was raised between Miami and Argentina. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I I I was born in Miami raised in Argentina, and then I went to school in North Florida. I went to school at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And then I've been in Los Angeles for a year and a half now. Um, I'm a writer, director, producer, filmmaker, and actress, of course, and stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedy has kind of taken over my life over the past year. And recently also been very involved with Latinas Acting Up, um, which is the group of Latinas that were on the picket lines every Friday during the SAG strike. And it's led by Diana Maria Riva and Lisa Vidal. And I was talking to my friend Yubisela about how it's so beautiful to see each other in person, all the hermanas and primas Latinas on the on the front lines of the pickets uh, once a week, but that we needed another way to connect and, and stay in touch and really support each other and show up for each other. So um, I encouraged uh, her, like, we need to make a group chat. So we made a group chat and we started adding other Latina actresses, Latina comedians, Latina directors, writers, filmmakers, Latinas in entertainment who want to show up and support each other. And then it just started growing. It's, I think, over like 150 or 200 members in that group chat now. And so you got added to the chat. Yes. yes. That's how that's how we connected. That's how we met. It's a full circle story. And I said, I need stand up comedians. Bring them on. (laughs) And that's how I got you. So you started doing comedy 2019, right? Yes. So... you were always naturally creative? I was always naturally creative. Yeah, I was always a writer. I was, I've was i been a writer my whole life. I was writing poems at seven. I like loved writing. That's kind of where the birthplace of all my other art comes mm-hmm. from is I'm a writer first. And then in college, I studied theater, performance. I studied film production and television production. Um, I also studied business for my master's degree. So I really wanted to get like an show business all around um, education. But in 2019, late 2019, I took a comedy class. It was a course uh, that taught me like improv and sketch comedy and stand-up comedy specifically. So those were the first two sets that I wrote, my five minute, my two two separate five minute sets I wrote in late 2019. And I performed them um, like in a show. Like that was my first, those were my first couple shows uh, late 2019. And I loved it. I didn't really think about stand-up comedy before taking that class. It was just another class that I wanted to take to become like a better actor, better writer. And I was obsessed. And I I would have continued doing it in college if it weren't for the pandemic. So pandemic hit 2020 and there were no more live shows, no more live performances. I did perform some Zoom shows. Mm -hmm. I I did some of the Zoom shows, Zoom comedy um, it was very challenging. It's very difficult. You don't have the same connection that you do in a live live performance. So I still so I kept writing comedic sketches. And so I wrote and I directed a few comedic sketches, comedic shorts throughout college. Um, even though it was pandemic, like my major was one of the few majors at the university that was in person because you simply could not film and collaborate with your peers if you weren't physically in person. So with masks and with testing and everything, like I went through all of that for my film school education. Oh, but they were doing that in the school in Florida at UFF. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So like uh, early 2020 was shut down, like everyone was home. But then right. late 2020, we were back. We were back in person. Uh-huh. Um, most most majors were still like fully online, the uh-huh. courses. But my major was one of the very few ones that like physically needed to be in person in order to to film and to collaborate. You could not, you need a team. It's a very yeah. collaborative, uh, very collaborative um, workspace. Perfect, so. Yeah. But the comedy was still there, even though I wasn't able to perform stand up live. I was still honing in like my comedic writing skills. And, you know, even with like a comedic directing and editing and acting, like all of that was still being nurtured. And so I then um, by my last semester in college, I was lucky enough to intern in a writer's room in a comedy yeah I entered in an animated comedy writer's room Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and I was working for Christy Stratton who's another alumni from UF Uh, so she was she was a woman tv writer showrunner for this comedic animated tv show and I was so lucky to be in the writer's room because again writing comedy is like what I wanted to do what I what I was focused on so I was taking notes in the writer's room and I was doing research for them like it was just a master class for me to see like what it's like to take a, a pilot and develop that into a season and one act two act three act character development character arc storyline it was uh such a such a great experience and so the reason I moved to Los Angeles was to work for this woman so once I once I graduated she told me like if you move out to LA like I'll hire you to be my assistant like come out you know you, you want to write comedy come out here and I did I moved out here May 2022 mm-hmm. and even then you could already feel the effects of the oncoming strike so even then mm-hmm. my boss told me like look you're just gonna have to find another job meanwhile because I don't have work right now like nobody has work right now and so that's when I kind of started thinking about like okay I'll I can be a production assistant on set which I did that for six months I was working Mm -hmm. as a production assistant you know because I studied film and I was like okay time to apply what I learned in school out in Hollywood really um but after six months of doing that I just realized like this is not my in like this is not gonna break me in and my yeah. boss still doesn't have work, and so I'm still. And not PAs are a lot of work. Oh, PAs! You take the abuse. Oh my god, you gotta respect <laughs> your PAs. Treat yeah. your PAs nicely because PAs yeah. go. The, Hollywood runs on their PAs and on the assistance of the agencies. Right. Truly, really, they're like. But but the thing when I was in LA, man, some yeah. of those PAs, if they got in like through a family member or something, mm. it went to their head. The oh. nepotism is real in oh, LA versus I noticed like a difference. The one good thing I noticed about New York versus LA yeah. and New York, the PAs are nicer in yeah. LA. The nepotism is real. It's present. Yeah. And yeah. I, had, I had my fair share of encounters with like yeah. different types of PAs. You could tell where a PA comes from. Like yeah. I had to network the hell out of my network to yeah. find the first PA job. Like I, I so many LinkedIn messages and so many coffee chats and so many telling everybody that I knew, like, please, whoever hears of a PA job, give it to me um, until I finally got the first one. And then you have to do exceptionally well at that first job. Oh, yeah. Then get recommended for the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. So I was on that house. I was on the grind and I loved it and I learned a lot. But then I really wanted to get back to writing. So how do I get back to writing if there's no going to be, there's not going to be any writer's rooms anytime soon. This is now Mm -hmm. January of this year, January 2023. I kind of had to like step back and realize like, okay, this PA route is not really like going to open doors for me. No one's going to discover me here. No one's going to say like, hey, do you want to come meet the executive producer? Like it's just not happening for me that way. So I decided to 
bring back stand-up comedy. I was like, I need to become a comedian. Like if I want to write jokes, if I want to write comedy, then I need to really get back into stand-up comedy and hopefully find my way into a writer's room that way. So that's when out here in LA, my first uh, stand-up open mic was February 14th on Valentine's Day. Literally, it was so funny. I talked about mm-hmm. my ex. It was so healing for everybody involved. And then I had my first, after five open mics, I did my first show. And then from there, I was just like, every weeknight, I was focused on stand-up comedy. I had a random day job, remote, social media, whatever it was, so that I could just dedicate to stand-up every single night. Right. Um, I couldn't be on set. I had to let that go. I couldn't work for like corporate or anything. I was like, no, I just need to focus on stand-up comedy. So now I've been performing in LA for 10 months. And I, I've, it's crazy to think that in just the 10 months that I've been doing it every single weeknight, I've performed at the Laugh Factory. I've performed at the Ice House. I've performed at the coffee store. Um, and I just, I have shows every week. Sometimes this show, this week I have four shows this week. Um, oh, even visiting back home in Miami, I do shows in Miami now when I'm there. Uh-huh. So I'm officially by coastal. But my hope is that now that the strike is over, hopefully I can get back into sneaking my way into the writer's room again. We'll see. I have I have right, right, 2024. Right. We'll see where it goes. People don't realize that comedians like you, like you just said, you had to give up. You had to give up um, everything. One second. Why do I get interrupted? Hold on a second. <laughs> no I worries. hate this. Oh, man. What is this? <laughs> um, I can't have it. I have cancer. I can't. I can't have it because of my condition, okay? Oh, okay. Right. Oh. <laughs> no worries. No worries. It's all good. I hate that. Like, good. I never, now I'm like, gotta pay an editor or leave it in. I've got to tell my editor about it. And it's an exterminator. I just always make up stuff because of uh, I have a cat. But <laughs> back to where I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, and I put like my phone on his. But anyway, with stand-up comedians, people do not realize like what you have to give up at first to go to those open mics. Everything. I Everything. Shape my life around stand-up comedy like I had to change my job I had to like my whole schedule of my entire routine for my week was like around going the six to ten of my every week night was going to an open mic two open mics sometimes three or going to shows to support other people who then can maybe help me get on their shows and so it's like yeah you really have to shape your life around it if you want to I mean for me at least I wanted to get good fast like I wanted to really practice as much as I could quickly as possible to to get better because you're gonna suck at first it's normal yeah yeah so you you just have to practice and get better and, get and better. you have you had the you you know to keep on going and trying and keep on and keep on yeah and it's just meeting people it's so crazy people are like oh how are you getting on all these shows and I'm like because four months ago five months ago I met all these people at these mics that maybe not the next day or the next week or the next month, but down the line, they're going to think of me down the line. Right, right. Like, hey, well, I think I've that? noticed every LA female comic I've interviewed, they all seem to have like a hustle more than the men. Um, they, I've noticed the LA female comics, but over here in New York, it's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> What's I the think, story in New York? With the or I could be controversy. Just put it this way. <laughs> I've been to, and I've said this before, I've been to certain places like certain shows. I love going to comedy shows, but I'll go to a certain mm-hmm. place and all I can think of is 
who the hell is she fucking to get on this show? And then I'm always right. I'm always right. And it's always the same person. Oh, they've been with this person. They've been with that person. They've been with that's. And I'm always right. And so like, that's what I, not all, not all. There's right, some good, right, 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 right. There, there is some good comedians, but there's one particular establishment. Hmm. Well, I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if LA has that at all. Well, I think LA, I think like LA, it like I, what I'm noticing because I'm over here and I've used to live there. Like there, there's two different, you know, you got East Coast, West Coast, and now you got Austin. But Austin is, there's not going to be no movies. It's just going to be total comedy, right? Yeah. And that's all it ever is going to, you know, it's just going to be stand-up comedian, you know. Pretty that's much. it. Good. They're performing. They have live music. That's good. But the thing about LA, like you said, there's other job opportunities that stand-up can lead to. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's and then true. you could write, which one female, Um, there was a female comedian. I will give props to her name is Jamie Lee. I saw her and I was like, whoa, blown away. And come, she is, um, I think the executive producer, I don't know, I'm not a fact checker of, uh, what's that one show where they're playing soccer, but they call it, uh, I can't think of the name. I got to pull her up, but I was- It's a, not Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Let me yeah. pull up her IG because- Oh, I see. I just found her. Yeah. Yeah. Actress. She, she's good. She's good. She, I was blown away. She, I was really blown away. Uh, really, Jamie Lee, shout out to her. Um, as it, I was really blown away how good she was. Um, she was in Crashing. She was in a couple of stuff. I was amazed. I was like, finally. I go, she got, she has talent. But then the rest of the ones. So that's <laughs> it, the rest of them, they were sleeping and they were all sleeping with the same person. You know, so. That's crazy. Honestly, I mean, I'm still, I still consider myself like super new to the LA yeah. of comedy scene. So I'm still learning. I mean. I wouldn't I have. Think, I think it's like a good, I think the people you're you're associated like uh, you know Stephanie DeHada, right? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. God. Oh, they're all good people. I've had them on the show. Uh, oh. Lorena Lopez. Good. Yes, Lorena. Good. Oh, I've been on yeah, the yeah. show. I love Lorena. Oh, you have. Okay, she's been on this show. All good people. Oh, all good yeah. talented. People. I, I realized that very quickly that in the first couple of mics that I went to, I went to a few women's mics and then I went to a few like open open mics, mm-hmm. and I realized like, oh, I need to find my community. Like, I need to find people who are gonna about like be there for me and and really want to help me because not all the men are really looking out for oh the they they you. start yeah they start oh yeah they start hating I've had my fair share of like harassment and oh, yeah. microaggressions and just plain disrespect um dealing with certain male comedian producers here right. and so my my stand-up life really changed when I started prioritizing working with women producers and or men, male producers who were vetted by women. So it's yeah. like, okay, you're going to be safe. Like you're going to be respected. Like you're going to be right. taken seriously. Um, but you, it's not everywhere. Obviously you have to find those places and you have to find those people um, who are going to vouch for you and who are going right, to take care right, of you. Right, right, and help you. And it's, it's great that now LA has a community because I've been watching like every week, everybody, you know, fighting for the strike, helping each other. And yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm very grateful for the community. I know it's not um, common to have uh-huh. that, you know, when you first move to LA and you're trying, but I mean, it didn't, obviously it's like this thing of like, I'm grateful, but also I worked hard to find that because right. you have to put in so many hours and to network and find the people and you have to show up and you have to show up again and you have to show up again. So it's like, 
yeah. I found the community and I'm also such a um I'm not a like I'm an anti-gatekeeper like I'm such a like throw down the walls throw down the door and like bring so many people in like there's right, right, right. female comedians now who are starting out who are very new and I'm like look I don't know a lot but what I do know is this this and that so I try my best to direct them to talk to the right people or or find the right mics or stay away from this and try to do this so I do my part to like help the the, the newer female comedians because I'm like we're all winning there's no right. um there's there's space for everybody to eat from the pie like right, we're right, 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 to right, fight right. for the same thing so it's what goes around comes around really I've I have really felt that this year truly Oh, that's very nice. So you were protesting every week too? You were one of the ones? I was doing my best. So because I had like that full-time job, uh, Uh like remote social media, it was still work. So I I would say, I didn't find out about it until September, actually. I had Uh no idea. That's how disconnected we are. That's how disconnected and broken we are within our Latina community. Like we're not in tune enough. So mm-hmm. I found out about it because I went to a Latino event, Nosotros Org, shout out Nosotros Org. I met a lot of great Latino um, artists through that organization. I f- that's where I met uh, Ubisela. So I had met uh-huh. her a year ago, but I reconnected with her again this past September. And she told me, she's like, it was on a Wednesday night. And she told me, what are you doing this Friday? Come out to the strike, come out to the Latinas acting up strike. I was like, what is that? And so I show up. And then after that, I started going like every Friday I was there and I was taking videos and I was taking photos and I was meeting people. And I was just like, I felt imposter syndrome at first to show up because I'm not in SAG. I'm not in uh, WGA. I'm, I just got here. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. here and there was a strike. Like there's no. And so me feeling like, oh, do I really belong here? But that it's so crazy how Latinas are so willing to just accept and open and, and drag you. In. I feel bad. I just went once no. in New York. I only striked once. Don't feel bad. It's and then here you, you're, yeah, you, you went a whole bunch of time. Well, but I, like I, I was, said, you didn't have the community exactly. like you have over there. And I, cause I, you know, it's, uh, yeah. You have to, like, yeah. I, the reason I kept going was cause like, oh my God, I'm, I'm reuniting with all these like Latina hermanas, primas. Like it felt very, it felt like home. It felt like, okay, you guys are going through the same thing that I'm going through. Or, right. or you've gone through something that I'm going to potentially go through in this entertainment industry. And oh, so. Yeah. Not not everyone can relate, but like you can relate because yeah. we are suffered through the same like microaggressions and discrimination and the same gaslighting and the same. So that's what it felt like. And it felt like we we're just so unconditionally like ready to support each other and, and mm-hmm. show up for each other. That's why I kept going. And that's why I felt like welcome there. And now there's like we're now the we're not um out picketing anymore we're starting to do like in-person events so shout out Asta Paredes who's a very also very active member for from Latinas Acting Up she organized the first cafecito a couple mm-hmm. of days ago we had a cafecito at Cafe Tropical which is a Latin owned cafe, uh, coffee shop here in LA in Silver Lake and we met up and we just had like these like kind of guided conversations around like tu niña interior like your inner child and um how we can show up for each other and what it means to be Latina, like are Brazilians Latinas or or just because your your skin tone is really white, are you still Latina? Yes, of course you're still Latina. Of others uh, Afro Latinas. Right. Like everyone is welcome. Even if you don't speak Spanish, does that make you less Latina? Like no, that doesn't make you any less Latina. That's again a consequence from like your yeah. parents trying to protect you. So it's all these beautiful conversations that not anyone else can relate to unless And you also are. also depending on where you were raised, I have yeah. to say speaking Spanish. You were raised in Miami. 
I was raised in Miami and Argentina. So. Right, right. So, but it's, it's, it's total Spanish where some people were yeah. raised in different cities where Spanish is not acceptable. Like that's it. And you know, what was crazy when I first moved to um, LA, like in 2008, they were banning Spanish out of Orange County, the courthouse. And I was so confused. They did that. That I was so confused. That's when I, uh, that's how crazy I was like, what, why are they doing that? Like, it didn't make any sense. So yeah, that's like it was crazy a different time. This was like back in 2008, 2009, they were going to ban it out of the Orange County, um, the Orange County courthouse. And I'm like, damn, don't they realize like who rigged the 2000 election? It was all in <laughs> Miami. Like, didn't they realize that? Um, Cause it's it, crazy. It, like what's the need? What's the need to exclude people yeah. like that? Now, have need? you, Going from Miami to LA, mm-hmm. have you noticed a lot of changes? Because it's like every time I talk to somebody, because I, I always say people in Miami are in a bubble. Oh, for sure. I was so uh, spoiled growing up, like to put it in the terms of like uh, being so embracing my Latinidad and being so mm-hmm. comfortable with being a Latina. And everyone that I knew spoke Spanish. Like, obviously, like with the older generations, they all speak Spanish. Like you walk yeah. into Publix in Miami and you're talking to Spanish to the cashier, to everybody right, at right. the airport, everything. Um, and then with the younger generations, because we're in school, like, yeah, we talk to each other in English and then sometimes in Spanglish. Um, but so my identity in Miami was very like, oh, I'm Argentinian. Like, I'm Argentina and my best friend is Venezuelan and then my other friend is Dominican and my other friend is Cuban. And that, that was like our identity, but we were all Latinos. And right. then leaving Miami for the first time when I went to Gainesville, that was the first culture shock that I had. Oh, oh, like, oh, tell me the culture shock. Because one time I interviewed a Cuban from Miami and, and I he went to Alabama and I was like, oh, God. And and but he could I was like, damn, do I got to write your material to tell you? Like, and I was <laughs> like, that's a whole show, like going from Miami to Alabama. You know I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that show. I'm like, and he could. Oh, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> You know, yeah. Is he a white Latino? Um, if you can listen on the episode with Gabe Dorado, like, uh, okay, I'll listen. I'm excited to listen to him. He's he's a he's a comic out of New York, but like, I was hey, so how was that? Hmm. And he he couldn't really say any much, and I'm like, interesting. I have so much. I I'm like that's a whole TV show right there. Like, dude, (laughs) do I have to? Like when I'm dealing, I'm not a comedian, but when I'm dealing with a comedian and I can say more funny, I'm like get frustrated. Like, come on, like, you know, let me please. No, yeah. it's because like, again, I grew up in Miami and then I also lived in Argentina. Like uh, I would visit Argentina a lot growing up, but then I lived there for three years during middle school. Uh-huh. And then I lived like in El Interior, not Buenos Aires, not the capital, but like interior Argentina um, and El Chaco. And there it was also very much, obviously, a bunch of Argentinians. Um, and I was still like the darkest skin out of my friend group, which if I'm the darkest person in the room, like in any room, like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Um, so I always felt like not Argentinian enough and then also not American enough, whatever. But then when I moved to Gainesville was the first time that I was. Oh, 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 okay. Ha- tell me Gainesville. Tell me Gainesville. What Gainesville happened in Gainesville? It's very white, very Southern. It's the yeah. South. Like, Miami is not the South. Like uh-huh. Miami is Latin America. And right. then Gainesville suddenly the, in Florida, the more North you go, the more South it gets. Oh truly. yeah. Yeah. Really? It's, it's scary. So there was a lot of microaggressions. There was a lot of like suddenly feeling like people are perceiving me as something different than them. Because obviously I grew up watching white people on television. So right. I can very quickly empathize and understand them and not feel like they are this like other type of being. Right. But I suddenly started feeling like 
people were referring to me as like, oh, because, you know, because you're Latina or because because you're Hispanic. Or, and I was like, okay. Like, I didn't realize there was this other extra label that you needed. They to treat you so them. foreign, too. One time, I have an example of like a microaggression that I didn't even know was a microaggression at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I was trying to get in, more involved in theater in college. And I volunteered to like usher for a theater production, the student-run theater production. So I was ushering people to their seats and whatever. And during intermission, uh, I, w- I went to the bathroom and there was like other people who wanted to know where- where's the bathroom. So I guided this old white lady to the bathroom. I'm like, here it is, whatever. And uh, as she's like closing the stall on me, she goes, gracias. And I was like, okay. (laughs) At the time, I was too, like, innocent. I was, like, 18. I was too innocent to, like, pinpoint why that made me uncomfortable. I couldn't really put it into words. And then later, I started realizing, like, that was a little bit of a microaggression. Like, it was, like, a little loaded of, like, why did you need to... I was speaking perfect English to you the whole time. Like, I was conversing in 100% American English for for no reason for you to do that. And I'm like, was it with bad intentions? Was it not? In any case, it was unnecessary. Yeah. I hate when you're speaking like total. And then they want to like, the worst is the guys that have that fetish. I always talk about uh, this. You know what I'm talking about? Those guys that are like obsessed with Latinas. And yeah. then they start speaking their broken Spanish to you. <laughs> and it's horrible. It's an attack, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny. Those guys that say like, oh, I'm into Spanish girls. They don't even know what they're talking about because Spanish girls are from Spain. So like if you want to even get technical about it, like you don't even know. Yeah, it's different. It's no. Yeah. So I had dealt with a lot of that. Um, It was just like I would audition for the plays that were run by the school of theater and all the roles were for white people. Like the roles that they would consider me for were for black women, which again, I'm not about to take that spot away from a black yeah. woman. That's not right. And then also for indigenous women. And I'm like, again, that's someone else's spot that I right. shouldn't have to take. Like it was just never, it was very whitewashed. It was very whitewashed. And then in the film school, I started to find a little bit more of my community of like, okay, I met other Latina filmmakers and I met other like black women filmmakers. And I worked a lot with, um, I, pr- I helped produce like an independent series, like written, directed, produced by black women. And that was like so healing for me because I'm like, OK, there are other creatives uh, in this industry that I can collaborate yeah. with and I can identify with. And I'm like, OK, we're both just trying to highlight minority voices, like trying to put women right. at the front, trying to put women of color, people of color. Oh, I hate, front. though. I One time I went to a meeting. I forgot I was trying to do some activism and a woman told me and it was a white woman, like American, right? Total Americano. Right. Uh-huh. She goes, you know, you're white passing. She told like she went to tell me. I was like, OK, like she just told me that. And then okay. she goes, you're privileged. No, the best one. She goes, you know, you're privileged because you're real. You're skinny. I said, oh, thank you oh. for that one. I was like, but she just randomly told me that. And then she started. I'm a minority and um but she like she just I was like minding my business and she made I don't know why she had to go you know you're white passing that's yeah I mean I get privilege because you're skinny I said oh really I I took that as a compliment though (laughs) I was like oh okay you know what I'm saying but I I, was weird it was weird weird. it's weird because it's like I think probably she was probably dealing with some of her own white guilt and her own like guilt of being so privileged. And she wanted to pinpoint that on you a bit of like, I just was like, what, where did this come from? It was, it's very weird how, um, it's weird. 
Yeah, some people just want to tell you or something. You know, yeah, it's like they want to put you on a scale of like where you land on the privilege scale, and it's like in any in any case, um, you're still a Latina. That doesn't make you less yeah. Latina. I have my, my best friend is a white Latina, and yeah. uh, she is also again white passing. That doesn't mean that she's gone. Th- she hasn't gone through her own set of struggles mm-hmm. with immigration, with papers, with discrimination. The second she opens her mouth, you can hear her Miami accent, right. and then. That's already going to. Or sometimes gonna... you see our names written down. Yep. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yep. you're already going to be discriminated based. Yeah, on you your get name. discriminated. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand like, that. But that's the whole. That's like missing the point. Like the point isn't to see like who is more discriminated against. Like you're missing the point, bestie. The point is so we can help each other and show up for each other. Right, right, right. Like again, I was a Latina woman um producing uh this show about black women and it was written and directed by black women and I was doing everything I could to help them and that and yeah. it wasn't about taking away from their spotlight it was about how can I show up to how help can you them. yeah show up and help them and give yeah yeah, yeah exactly I think some people sometimes get lost in the in the sauce there like lost yeah in the, in the yes. conversation it's like if you have privilege great use that yeah use privilege to right. help other people up or call out when there's an injustice like yeah 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 or yeah yeah do something to help not interfere because like exactly that's what um instead of I was here when the black lives I exactly. have movement happened and I had a really big issue with white people yelling at Puerto Rican and African-American cops to their face and these were white people just I had a very big issue because if you know the history of and I understand Black Lives Matter, but I feel like we need my more minority cops to be yeah. in different areas. Yeah, but I had an issue when I noticed there was like, and again, somebody's like, well, you know, cops this, cops that. And I'm like, listen, do you realize when a lot of, because uh, I'm half Puerto Rican, a lot of Puerto Ricans, when they came to New York, the only opportunities they had for jobs were NYPD and um if, and uh bell service where they were the bellman you know what right. i'm saying it's so to right. get into that union and you know they they did it to get a job or a lot of puerto ricans joined the service and there were veterans a lot of mexicans serve and yeah. they don't get that recognition yeah. you 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 know that they serve this you know exactly. for the military they don't get served but i have a very big issue when i have people in my family that have served in the military like, yeah latinos have to do what they have to do they have to do what they part have to of do the- Right. The American right. economy. But a lot of, when a lot of the Puerto Ricans first came, like, I think it was the 30s or 40s, a lot of them, you know, they got into, uh, like, the doorman. Door, it's a doorman union. And that's what they had to do when they got into NYPD. So I had a very big issue when I'm like, you guys are yelling Black Lives Matter, but you go and yell at a Black cop saying he's a, a traitor. You go yell at a... Right. You're missing uh, the point. Again, you're, missing the you're, point. Again, they're missing the point. Why don't you go... You want to help? Why don't you go down to like a boys and girls club? Why don't you do big sister, big brother? Why don't you volunteer? Yelling into your time, your energy, educate yourself, educate. Yelling at a person of color. Right. Calling them a traitor. And then going back to your privileged life. That's what exactly they did, you know, and I saw I witnessed I witnessed that and I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Yeah, that's why I think with the whole what it means that means to be a Latina conversation, mm-hmm. I think the point always comes back to like, okay, however you identify on your Latinidad, if you grew up speaking Spanish, if you didn't, if you've never visited your home country, if you've never visited your patria, um, yeah. if you've had privilege even being like 
more white passing, like whatever the case may be, like you have a part in this process and you have a part in this ecosystem and you have a say in your voice matters. And so use that to do the best you can to like the common goal is so that we can all be better represented and we can all be have better opportunities and like focusing on that. That's just what's why I think that like Latino looking up is starting to make waves now. So the industry is noticing that we're loud, that we're not like the way we protested. It wasn't like, Oh, yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, you guys were fiesta. dancing in the street. <laughs> yeah, fiesta, baile. We were like, this is like, for me yeah. as an Argentinian, it felt like, oh, Argentina campeón mundial. Like, it felt like we were just the fiesta. We were just, um, and so, because that's how we get loud and that's how we make our voices heard. And we're starting to make waves and we're starting to get noticed and we're starting to have doors opened for us and especially yeah. for us. And Hollywood is scared. Hollywood is noticing. And I they're know like, they're going to lose. Yep. They, they, I feel like they just, they, there's a part of them that does want to suppress us because they do want to give us the lower end jobs. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. <laughs> that's why what you were saying earlier, like we also have to get behind the camera. Yeah. Like, yeah. We have to write, produce, direct, direct casting directors casting because you've noticed all the casting directors i don't know if you how much um because you've been there a year but i've noticed a lot of the casting directors are these predominantly caucasian there's there's a couple african-american um like kim mm-hmm. coleman i know and she's african-american and she does predominantly she works with african-american production she's one of the rarity um but there's a lot of white um casting directors that yeah. are middle america so a very prominent casting director right now within the Latina community is Candido Cornejo. And mm-hmm. she's doing incredible things. Uh, she shows up to like a lot of Nosotros events and she was at the Latinas Acting Up Picket Lines too. And she's always putting out casting calls, like very specific casting calls, like for a Cubana in your 20s or yeah. for... Or Blanca uh, Valdez. Is it Blanca Valdez? Is she oh, that's somebody around? else? That's somebody yeah. else? Yeah, she, she, I think she does a lot of commercials. Oh, good. Blanca Valdez. Good. I think... I think that's her name. I have to fact check. I didn't fact yeah, check. Yeah, you see, we can name them like with the... Come right, on. there's only a few. She's one, because right. I remember her, and I remember she was off Poinsettia. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's Mexican descent, very mm-hmm. nice woman. She's one of the rare... Yeah, it's only a couple, like only I'm her and the... And I haven't heard of the other one. With her Candido? The- yeah, you should look her up. Candido Cornejo is doing something. How long things. has she been around? Um, I'm not sure, but she's been very active since I moved here. Like since I moved oh, here, okay. I've I've auditioned a lot through the casting calls that she's put out, and a lot of them they're not only for Latinas, but a lot of them are. And she's very specific with what she's looking for, and mm. she's very intentional. Um, she's very clear. Like this is about this storyline. We need oh, if you don't have to be Puerto Rican, but you need to have the Puerto Rican accent. Like that conversation as well of like how can we honor each other's cultures and give right. the role. Because it's so there's so many different words. Yeah. That certain certain you say chow, right? Chow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Argentina says chow. Like it's so many different um right vocabulary. Around the, right around it's crazy where I get my hair done. It's a Dominican. Okay, there's three guys that work at the salon. Uh-huh. One is from Paraguay, Dominican, okay. and Venezuelan. Wow. Very and different. So <laughs> very different. So they, I'm like, listen, when I listen to them, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's three different languages almost. Yep, almost different languages. It's so crazy. That's what Miami is like. Miami's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but Doral is got Venezuela. And, I'm yeah. from Doral. Oh, okay. 
I grew up in Doral, uh, Doralzuela is what they call it. Yeah, because yeah, Venezuela. So many Venezuelans there. Um, my now my mom's at on the beach, so uh-huh. there's a lot more Argentinians uh, by Miami Beach. So, but there was always there's always like such a mix of cultures, and that's why for me I took it for granted growing up, like how open and accepting everyone the was. Different, yeah, yeah, they're diverse Latino voices. Like there was never like a competition or it was never like an issue it's just like yeah we are different and we can embrace that and we can appreciate that about each other and then we can also like be very prideful of our own culture I don't know it was never a thing in Miami it's never now with with your comedy that you write your stand-up comedy what do you pull from that from your life oh for sure I a lot a lot from growing up in Miami to like immigrant parents what I say is that I um my comedy touches on mental health Uh on dating and on being raised by Argentine immigrant parents who got divorced. So they don't give great advice about neither mental health nor dating. (laughs) Like that's kind of- So both of your parents are from Argentina. Right. So both of my parents are from Argentina. My dad was actually born here, born in Nashville, Tennessee. He likes to call himself a hillbilly. Uh Um, But his family is also Argentinian and he didn't grow up here. My my grandfather was just like studying in Vanderbilt at the time. So my dad happened to be born there, happened to get the citizenship. But then he only lived there for like a year before he was completely raised in Argentina, had never visited the U.S. Mm -hmm. until he was like 25. So my my parents both of them are like very argentinianly culturally i mean obviously my mom was like born and raised in argentina but then um they moved here in the 90s and so my dad already had his citizenship thank god my mom was able to marry him for the citizenship um i talk about all of this in my comedy too um and it's it's funny because like at least my mom and my dad like didn't have to struggle with like the immigration process that much but then uh, all my extended family, like they tried moving here. And I remember being very little and like having my grandmother and having my tia and having my tío and having my abuela, my prima and everything. And then as I grew up, I turned five years old. Some of them had to move back. They were they They, they couldn't get their papership the fulfilled, paper. like, their yeah. papers fulfilled. Um, Like the visa would expire and then they wouldn't get accepted for um citizenship and they would have to be go back and uh little by little like it ended up just being my core family just the four of us and um I didn't grow up fully with like my entire extended family here that's kind of why we like we visited Argentina so much too mm-hmm. um but I do talk about that in my comedy so I talk about being raised in Miami being raised in Argentina I talk about my, my divorced parents I talk about dating um when I was in college I like dated interracially I dated a white Jewish guy and so I was raised Latina Catholic so there's already a, that's already a funny sentence. Like there's already oh some, what what how what happened with the there. Jewish guy? One time I dated a Jewish guy, yeah. and he was on steroids at the time, and he couldn't put up the Christmas tree, and he got mad and he slammed it, and I was like mortified, and I was like, oh my god, my kid's gonna go into a purgatory. I can't have, I can't be with this. He got mad and he goes. I've never put up a Christmas tree before. Like he, he wasn't, he didn't throw it. Like I, I call it a roid rage, but he, yeah, yeah. he was trying to put it up and I broke up with him. I'm kind of good maybe because he was kind of violent, but I was like, he goes, yeah. what do you expect? You, I can't put up a, and I was like, oh my God, I can't be with him. Like, is it going to go in purgatory? <laughs> That's so- like, and then I broke up with him afterwards and he chased me for years. Wow. That's and wild. you know, what's crazy about that same guy. He dated Chase Chelsea Handler. What? 
Yeah, yeah. The guy's name was Howard Zwain. Um, I'll never so forget. Funny. Yeah. And uh, he was a Jewish guy and he happened to date Chelsea Handler like right before me, but before she was ever famous. Right, 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 right. Wow. That was such a coincidence. Yeah, like I was like, but I, I remember him telling me about it. That's so wild. He was from he was from, I guess, Morristown, New Jersey or whatever. And he said that I was more crazier than her. And I was a sober one. <laughs> That's another stereotype we get as Latinas. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Because we yeah, we we do go crazy. We're so toxicas. We're so crazy. We're so this and that. And I think it's like, obviously, with every stereotype, there's a little bit of truth in it. And but like, how, how sorry, I took away your 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 story about dating uh-huh. the, the, the white boy. How was that? Oh, situation? It was, I mean, um, I talk about it in my standup. So oh, okay. um, it's it's just part of like what I talk about in my standup. And it's like, it was funny because I had moved to Gainesville. There wasn't a lot of Latinos there, right? And it's like, especially within theater and especially within like the more artsy parts, like because it's children of immigrants, they're going to be engineers or lawyers or doctors. Like, right, right, right. I, my first year, I was an engineering major too. And then I just felt this calling to be an artist that I was like, I have to pursue art. Um, that was a whole thing also with my immigrant parents not accepting it at first and now they're like my biggest supporters now they're like they're so so uh, on board and proud of me and happy for me but yeah it was bound to happen to me that like I wasn't really be I wasn't able to surround myself with a lot of Latinos in college because of what I was uh, studying it was bound to happen that I was gonna date a white boy like that was uh-huh. just- he was from Boca Raton. Oh, from- oh, but that's not too. That's still they know a little bit about Miami. I thought it'd be somebody like from far away or whatever. I mean, but my, he had I'm- a taste of if he's from Boca Raton, he had a taste of Latinas. He already know he had a little taste. He knew I was going to be crazy, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he ha- they they have a little taste of us, and I then they can't get it out of their system. I don't know. I don't think, honestly, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't not sure. say for sure, but I don't think he dated Latina before me. I think he had just dated uh, white women before me. I'm not sure, actually. I can't mm-hmm. speak on it. You probably changed um, him for life. I probably did. I probably <laughs> did. I mean, we were together for two and a half years. Uh-huh. And um, on, funnily enough, I talk about this in my stand-up as well. It's like when it came time to like, we graduated and it was like, okay, where are we going to move and like chase our dreams together? Like, uh we we landed on LA we were ready to sign an apartment he just wasn't ready to take that next step mm. so that was that's how my journey in LA started actually of like okay I had other issues with him as well like we were on and off a lot like we were yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, you gotta do it, you I gotta do me and that was difficult yeah. because it was like moving by myself instead of with a partner and and just figuring everything out by myself obviously I'm very lucky my both my parents are like super supportive and and they were with me every step of the way like helping me figure things out but it's still really scary yeah. um and the the turning point for me of like deciding like I can't be with someone who's not ready to be an adult and not ready to like take their career seriously because I mean he was also an actor and he's I mean he still has um, he's in New York actually now. Um, mm. oh yeah, we lost all contact. We're, we're not in, we're not in touch anymore, but yeah, it's mm. crazy because I've been here for a year and a half now. And in my standup, like, obviously first I had to heal from that breakup and like right. go to therapy and like figure out who I am outside of that relationship and figure out who I want to be in Los Angeles, like as an individual person, as an artist by myself. Um, and then after all that healing process, when it came time to write stand up comedy, I had been like 
eight months since I had broken up with him. The first time I went to an open mic, it was on Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. And I talked about him and I talked about like what I went through with him. And I was able to do it from a, a healed place. I was able to do it from a place of like, oh, now I can look back okay. and laugh at all these things, which women are really good at doing that. Like women comedians are really good at like first processing their trauma and then finding the funny in that, like being able to like find the light and make light of it. Right, um, right. What I've seen at a lot of open mics and honestly, some shows too, uh, male comedians struggle a little bit with that. Like sometimes I feel like male comedians blur out something traumatic that they haven't really processed yet and they think it's going to be funny. And then it, we end up feeling bad for them because like they don't have the emotional intelligence to like unpack it first. Yeah. And so it, it just ends up being really awkward. Um, so yeah, and that's because men men will do anything before going to therapy. I swear to God, like men. Oh yeah, yeah. Men don't like to go to therapy. They need to. They avoid it like hell. <laughs> you just went to therapy first. They think like reading a book is therapy, mm-hmm. and they don't. And then they have some serious. Sometimes men have some serious, like ego problems, and it yo they messed up. Yeah. And I feel for them because I'm like, dude, you're suffering. You're literally mm-hmm. suffering yeah. and you're harming a bunch of other people in the process. Yeah. Like, why don't you just go take care of yourself first and then you can write some jokes about it, you know? Right, so right, right, right. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I talk about in my stand up a lot. It's literally. But there's a lot of there's a lot of people in L.A. Mm-hmm. In, um, that are going through like the 12 step program or recovery. Yeah, there's a lot. That's like it's a big, big community out there. And I think those people I noticed, like, after what I think that's like, they all seem to get hooked up. Like, after I don't know the rule. Like, I was told by one friend, you're not allowed to talk, but or whatever. But I noticed, like, there's a lot of very successful people. So maybe that's a good positive way. But then if you're not a drinker. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I thought about like, I was kind of jealous. I was like, God, because I'm not a drinker at all and, and I don't do really do drugs but I was like always thinking how do I get in on this <laughs> like type of thing because they seem to have like good meetings and they talk about it I mean and healing is so powerful yeah like, no no it's good yeah they seem yeah the 12-step program they seem to be I'm kind of like envious like <laughs> where am I gonna go I say I'm gonna quit I'm gonna look stupid oh I'm not having my one Moscow <laughs> meal a month you know like <laughs> like I'd be like an embarrassment to go but yes there's a lot of people like in LA they go to you know they're recovering I don't think it's so much in New York no way I didn't know that I mean yeah in LA it's big you probably don't realize right yeah I wouldn't know yeah yeah you wouldn't know you probably don't realize if you're sober but um a lot of them do go and it helps them for whatever reason I think you do what you gotta do to heal and to like find your peace and and find your way like we're we all we're all traumatized like we all carry damage yeah. and we all try to like make peace with it and that's what I like to do through my comedy is to like share something that I've been through and that I've healed from and if somebody laughs it's because they relate or they empathize and like if we can laugh at the same things like we can understand each other better and at the end of the day like we're all human and we all go through the same motions and it's just like I think laughter is medicine that is so cheesy, but it's oh, so yes, 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 yes. Like, it is medicine. It's medicine. And and yeah. think about how many people go throughout an entire day without laughing. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like Or sitting you know, at a boring like office job or yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta laugh. To me, you gotta laugh in order to not cry. Like that's just yeah, it's so painful to live and to exist. 
and it's like how you have to make light of it you have to make fun yeah. of it how oh and then there, there's know? it's it's weird certain comedians i feel like certain shows bring out different things and certain comedians um yeah like Ida Rodriguez, I had on a show here. Yeah. I went to her show. It was very beautiful. So it was, it was weird. And then I, I got her book. She sent me her book and I read her book. And um, her book is amazing, by the way. But mm-hmm. uh, I felt so related to this woman. And then mm-hmm. on the show, and it was so touching and it was such a beautiful performance. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, this is a comedy show. You know what I mean? It's a different type of comedy. You know, there's there's some co- comedians where there's shock value or they say like crazy things yeah. or there's the insult. But then there's different comedians provide different, you know, channel different things. Yeah, that's true. I like to think of myself as a comedian. Like I'm a very anecdotal comedian. So uh-huh. I tell anecdotes of my own life. Um, And it's like, I just try to talk about my perspective and like what I grew up, where I grew up, how I operate in life. Yeah. And now, now how, when you, now, how is Miami different than uh, LA? That you got to share. What, in your opinion? In Let me shut opinion, up. I <laughs> know <laughs> you've been so great to talk to. I'm happy to be here. Um, I would say Miami is definitely like Latin America. Like in Miami, like default all Latinos, and then default everyone speaks Spanish or understands Spanish, and then here um it's not so much like that it's like there is a a very prevalent latino population but we're not like the dominant we're not like we don't dominate the culture all of it in all parts of la there's definitely pockets and and areas of la where it does um so la is more diverse in general like there's like a lot more people from all over the world of all different ethnicities um which in that case miami is lacking um and then here the the latino populations themselves here aren't as um they don't all speak spanish so they're not as like i feel like they're more removed from their patria or i think they're more like third generation or fourth generation latinos so then it's been so many generations that they kind of like lost touch a little bit um not that that makes them any less latino but it's just like the difference that i see between miami like most of my friends are like either immigrants themselves that they immigrated when they were like 11 or 12 yeah. or they were born here, but their parents were immigrants. So then From they're Cuba, still yeah. very like in touch with their Latino culture. Right. And, and, and so that's a huge difference um, in terms of like Latinidad. And then also uh, I wanted to move to L.A. between New York and L.A. When I graduated, I was like really towards L.A. First, because this is where I had the job, obviously. And yeah. then second, because um, it feels like Miami. I mean, you have the beach, you have the yeah. big building. Things. you have the big the city, weather you yeah. have the wet so the weather it's very similar but still Miami is way more hot and then like all year round no once you're in LA you don't want to go back to Miami with the weather over there well most people but I really miss the Miami weather I was just like oh, I love the humidity. the humidity I know it's very controversial like I, I love the do. humidity like... and I, I have allergies right now because of how dry and cold it is uh you're are you in the valley no I'm well I'm in like Hollywood Hills Oh, okay. Uh, like, okay. So I'm at the base of Hollywood Hills. Um, mm. um, it's not particularly bad here. It's just like I grew up in the humidity. So it's so hard for me to like get used to this dry weather. Um, but it is nicer to have like a variety of seasons in LA. It is, it gets a little colder now. Um, and obviously, another huge difference is like uh, Hollywood is here. Hollywood is born out of here. Like the scripts yeah. are written here, this casting is done here. And most directors, producers are attached to projects here. Miami has some entertainment, but it's not as big. Miami it's non-union. 
it's, it's, <laughs> it's very it's, indie yeah and it's like yeah. there's some comedy there too and I try to perform comedy there when I'm there and it's awesome I love to perform comedy mm-hmm. in Miami because I I get to like see a different perspective of like okay the audience aren't going to react the same way that they do in LA and like I do more Spanglish comedy in Miami there mm-hmm. is different is it oh yeah yeah in Miami you have to do more Spanglish than over yeah yeah so well, the thing like- the thing though I have to say is Mexico used to be California yeah so there's a and, lot of Mexicans here that and and I I remember being in San Diego and I met somebody like they had a house and they their family had owned it for so many generations yeah. since it was Mexico so people seem to forget when they want to fight immigrants and say oh the illegals or whatever that it used to belong to Mexico and it wasn't that long ago it was like just a little bit over a hundred years I don't know if yeah. I, some, you know like it, it wasn't too long ago yeah. but um also, what I noticed that I felt was sad when I was in L.A. that um, the people that moved to L.A., they kind of suppress more of the Mexican population. Hmm. I've noticed that like they don't. And and when you when you live when I lived in L.A., like all the teachers, every time protests I've ever seen in L.A., it's always the um, Latinos fighting for the employment rights. I'm- <laughs> Yeah, we saw like, that now too. Yeah, we saw that now too. And um, out of all the groups I saw the most, it was the, the Latinos fighting, you know, on the picket lines. I know there's other people if they're going to come for me, but um, <laughs> they're going to call. I was there. You were only went once. No, but what I saw the majority was, um, but like the whole teachers union. I don't know if you remember. There was was it too long ago? It was all there's all Latino teachers. LAPD is mostly the Mexican. nurses. Yeah, right a now, lot of nurses were striking with us, the Latinas acting up. We like we have one they of they were our... striking right across the street. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. The hotel workers were striking here in LA also. It's because they... the cost of li- you know what's happening is and it's very, very sad. It needs to be um the cost of living has just gone up so much. And there, there just needs to be a change, like overall. Yeah, and then the, you also take into account like how much less Latinas get paid. Yes. So one day we were picketing and it was Latina Pay Day. It was October fifth. Latina paid fifty two cents lower. Yeah. Than... I literally have the picket. <laughs> right here. Yes, um, you have it. Yeah, people don't. Know, like... And it's mm-hmm. um, Latina Eco Pay Day because it's just like yeah, we get fifty two cents on the dollar, and yeah. so the reason why Latina Eco Pay Day is on October fifth is because. That's how much, uh, so in one year, a white man makes a dollar and then it takes a Latina the whole year and all those months up until October 5th to make what the white man made in that first year. So yeah. it's just like crazy to think of like, yeah, the housing crisis and on top of that, like communities yeah. of color are more affected because they don't have the yeah. resources. And 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 then they act like, and, and we're hard workers. Oh, we have yeah. to be. We have to be double, triple, like whatever. Uh, I went to that Hot Cheetos premiere and I heard uh, Eva yeah. Longoria said like this. She because she was talking about because she directed and she yes. she explained that whole process and she says like we have to. She goes, I don't care. I like the way she said it because she was straight up. She goes, we. I know it's not fair, but we just have to be working twice as triple as hard. It is true. It's so true. I mean, think about how many artists of colors of color are um, multi hyphenates. Like yeah. you have to be. You you can't you have just to. have. It's so difficult. It happens, but it's so difficult to have the luxury to just be an actress 
or just be a writer or yeah. just be a, a producer like you usually have to or just get a job to. like <laughs> just get just yeah, get higher you know what I'm saying or just get seen I noticed the pretty much why with this podcast I've gone to mostly like Latin comedians it's I was DMing different comedians of different races yeah and guess who was answering me back the ones all the Latinos were all answering me back where like it was a ton of white comedians I didn't hear anything <laughs> you know like I, I had... think also with um black artists black comedians mm-hmm. black writers directors actresses they've done a really good job of showing up for each other yeah and they like, show up for each other we yeah. need to learn from them because right, they've done right, an right. excellent job of like reuniting and then being uh-huh. like okay we're writing these shows for us by us produced by us right. like and it's like we need to learn but, how we, to do- but, but also let's not do the Tyler Perry you know about Tyler Perry right do you know all his productions and I have to say this because I always have to correct people that go I've always wanted to work with Tyler Perry I've always wanted to work with Tyler Perry yeah, no, you don't. Tyler yeah. Perry I worked at an agent's office he always has the lowest um he's always sag ultra low pay budget, budget. Mm-hmm. yes put it this much um and I saw that when I worked he pays people so little that's unfortunate. He ba- he basically slaves his own people. And so the person you want to work for is 50 cent. You want to get on a power series. <laughs> like yeah. people don't, it's, it's crazy. Cause I've worked on some of the powers, um, sh- different shows or whatever. 50 yeah. is the man. 50 is the one that people need to want to. Yeah. If they knew as much as he jokes around on the internet or whatever, yeah. working for him is, and he always, every, his sets are great, but Tyler Perry, um, that's unfortunate. People, I always hear people that don't really know, and I've seen oh. his scripts. And he didn't go to Atlanta because oh, that's his place. It's non-union, it's so cheap. everybody there he's paying peanuts. Yeah. So that's another thing that if somebody wants to be a producer, if somebody wants to help, they need to also pay your people accordingly. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that I'm. I mean, the reason why I want I wanted to study business as well was so that I could like fight for myself and then also yeah. defend others. I yeah. want to be able to defend others. I want to be able to like, no, no, no. Read the contract, negotiate, yeah. pay. Yeah. Uh, know your rights, like know right. your like labor rights, right. and it's just like we have again, we have to do that extra work to yes. educate ourselves even more and ha- be in more aware because we're gonna be more taken advantage of. Yes, like, yes. We're targeted more. And so we need to do the extra work to be able to defend ourselves. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's so exhausting. Yeah. That's why if you're here, it's because you want to be here. If you're doing it, it's because you really want to be doing it. Like I, I've, I've come pretty far um, and I'm very grateful and I'm just getting started. Like I'm still nobody and I'm just getting started, but I, I like to like recognize like, no, but I'm doing things. I'm here. I'm present. I'm right, like, right. You're present. Um, so where's your favorite club currently? that you love to perform in LA? Oh, my favorite club that I love to perform at. Um, well, I mean, it's more about like who I like to work with. Oh, okay. More about who you, okay. And one of my favorite people that I have to give a shout out to that I, I love working with are other Latina comedians because they're the ones that have like opened more doors for me. Last That's true, night, yeah. I actually performed last night at a show. Um in West Hollywood on the Sunset Strip, like nearby the Comedy Store, nearby Laugh Factory. And I performed on an all women's showcase. 
and it was led by B Gutierrez. Shout out B Gutierrez. She's oh, from- okay. I I saw. You know what? Yeah. I was looking at her today, and I was thinking of approaching her. Yeah, you definitely. Her. She's, yeah, she's a huge producer and comedian, oh, okay. talented, and she's such a like doors opener person for women mm-hmm. in comedy, and she's just so devoted to like giving the stage to like women comedians and. Uh, creating opportunities she hosts a monthly brunch at the ice house oh yes gabby was telling me about that i was like god they don't do anything like that in you and that that kind of stuff is what really changed the game for me because it's like all of a sudden we're not competing for the same spots we're helping each other get the yes like it just changes the mentality for you so Mm -hmm. gotta shout out vico terrius gotta shout out gabby vargas of course gotta shout out daisy rocks you should reach out to her as well Mm -hmm. um these Latina comedians have like helped me so much. And I, I mean, yeah. I can put it on about other uh, people that Stephanie helped me. Stephanie Tejada helped me a lot too. Cause I said, oh, listen, God. I need comedians. I'm like, I'm having, uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to find different comedians, trying to find different people. I'm going to have to bring her on again. And she gave me a list like no oh, other. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of people that I could shout out. Yeah. Uh, other people that helped me are, well black women or or the queer community or right. other and it's just like because people who have been oppressed know right. what it's like and then they empathize more and then they want to help you and it's like they will go in the extra mile and like stick their neck out for you because they they've been there they've right. been in right. those shoes and so um but yeah I really liked performing at Plan B last night but I guess my favorite like stage that I've performed John would have to have been the Laugh Factory because it was the Laugh Factory Spanglish show Oh, you got on that. Yeah, it was huge for me. That was huge for me because it felt very like a full circle moment of like Mm -hmm. I had performed here in L.A. and then I had performed in Miami, my Spanglish set. And then when I came back here, um, I had the chance, like I got connected and I met the producer for the Spanglish show at the Laugh Factor. And I was dying to get on that show and I did it. And it felt like, okay, (laughs) we've arrived. We're doing this for real. Like this is for real happening. Um, And it's just the start. But I'm really grateful for all the, the women that have helped me. Um, and hopefully because the strike is over now, kind of almost um, things start picking up again in terms of like television production. Right, right. And- you just got to get and hustle and pay that rent. Ha! ha. <laughs> that that's, that's what you've got to do. Yep, yep, yep. That's the life hard. of a creative, I know. Yeah, no, I know that is. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for coming on today. Can you please let my audience know where they can find you and how they can follow you? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor just to meet you and to talk to you and to have been on this podcast where other incredible Latina comedians have been on. And I'm grateful for the platform. And any way that I can like give advice and share mentorship to other people is. I'd love to do that. So you, if you want to follow me and you want to support me, um, you can find me everywhere at Daniela I Calvo. So the I is for my middle name, Ines. So it's Daniela with one L, I Calvo, C-A-L-V-O. And that's like my Instagram, everything, TikTok. And then that's also my website. So you can just look up DanielaICalvo.com. That's where I have like all my comedy show ticket links. And you can watch like my acting reel, my directing reel, um, the interviews that I've been a part of I'm so grateful for this platform Marcela you're you're doing amazing you. this is an Thank amazing it's amazing work you're doing this is work that needs to be Thank done you. I'm trying I'm trying yeah. there's Her. a need there's a I need, need more to... downloads so <laughs> <laughs> 
My name is Marcella Lonzo, and if you would like to see this episode, you could subscribe to my Patreon. Go to MarcellaSobella.com. If you'd like to follow me on IG, Facebook, or Instagram, it's Marcella Sobella. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming on Sunday Funday. If you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on fiber it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through fiber today you'll be glad you did <laughs>